The following is a presentation from your friends at Forcecast.net. It's the Forcecast. Home to the official podcast of TheForce.net. I feel the Force. And RebelScum.com. You rebel scum. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Forcecast, your weekly dose of Star Wars news and much more. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Check it out, Corporal. Roger, Roger. Now it's time for the weekly Forcecast. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, we're going to start things off right this week. We've got him back in house to give away a copy of his CD. We got the OM, baby. He's back. Eric Walker from the Ewok Adventure yeah, Films. What, why waste any time? House. Why waste any time, Jim, right? Just get right into it. Let's get our OM on. That's right. Hey, Welcome. Guys. Hey, Eric, great to have you back, and great to have all of you back listening to the Forcecast. You're in the right place. If you are looking for the best in Star Wars news and commentary, we are your source. We're your number one place for that. We are the official podcast of TheForce.net and RebelScum.com, and we're here for the week of February 25th, 2011. And like I said, getting things started off right, follow-up to last week and our interview with the great Eric Walker, a.k.a. Mace Tawani from Ewok Adventure TV Movies. Of course, for those of you overseas, those were theatrical releases. And uh, Eric, last week you promised to give one of our lucky listeners a copy of your CD, Tangier Dream, if, if they could answer a little trivia question. It's not just a little trivia question. It's kind of a big one. It's a tough one. You were, you were hard on our listeners, I think. <laughs> I don't think I was that hard. All they have to do is go to IMDb and they could find the answer. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Well, maybe it wasn't that hard. I was actually looking in the movie. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't Google this. I didn't know if it was something that could be Googled or IMDb'd. But, uh, Jim, we got a number of entries, and uh, you randomly picked the winner, no? I did, I did. But first of all, we have to go back to our trivia question. Eric, what was the trivia question you asked last week? And then tell us the answer. Okay. Um, The question was, what Disney character was sitting in a tree? Disney character sitting in a tree. Would it be a natural environment for this Disney character to be sitting in a tree? A natural. Yeah, (laughs) probably. I don't you understand know why? They, I mean, it w- it would not be an uncommon occurrence to see this Disney character sitting in a Disney tree. The, yeah, I would felt as, uh, Yeah, I would say that's probably correct. <laughs> All right. Well, I have my guess. Um, I'm going to guess, and a lot of our listeners did guess this, uh, both at Forcecast at Forcecast.net and on our Facebook page. But my guess is Winnie the Pooh. You're correct. Yes. Yes, yes he got it. I- now, did our, did, did our winner get it, though? That's the question. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We had a lot of faithful Forcecast listeners actually combing through their old DVD copies of Caravan of Courage looking for this Disney character. Uh, I think we had a few guesses. Uh, T. 
Tinker Bell was thrown out there, which I could see because you had those little, those little, uh, yeah, the those little, little glowing fairy. What were they called? They're called the Weasties. Weasties, right, right. Weasties, Weasties. Yeah, uh, and Isarina. Yeah, Isarina was the Isarina was the name of the uh, the one that I had in my hand that you know helped save uh, save me from the Gorax monster. You know, so. Perfect. So maybe some people were sort of thinking along those lines, but we uh, got our winner. We picked him at random. His name is Matthew Saloff, and Matthew combed the film. He said, uh, yeah, his guest was Winnie the Pooh. Um, It wasn't quite a guess. I think he does admit to looking up on IMDb for the answer, but uh, he does say he spent most of the night watching, rewinding, fast-forwarding, pausing, zooming in, over-examining random shapes, etc. from Caravan of Courage. He was about to give up, and then he checked on the IMDb, found the answer, but that did not satisfy him. He wanted, <laughs> to, find, <laughs> he wanted to find the actual shot featuring Winnie the Pooh, and he took a bunch of screenshots. Eric, I'll forward it to you. I, I mean, do you know exactly where in this film? No, I, I, don't, I don't know where it's at. I just know that they have quite a great sense of humor over there at ILM, so in the matte painting department, so... <laughs> Yeah, now someone said it was like the equivalent of putting a potato in the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Something that was there but you don't really see. Would you uh would you agree with that? Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. When you go to those uh, map paintings, they have a lot of things in them, so, you know. True. Now I just sent you the screenshots, the the screen grabs that Matthew provided us. And I don't know if you're by your computer right now. You must be. You're on Skype. Um, yeah. do, you, do you have the ability to grab something out of your email and take a look at those pictures that I just sent you? Yeah, I do. Let me see. I don't see, I don't see him here. I think you, may, you forgot to attach it. Oh, it, the attachments didn't come through. I just forwarded yeah, no. the email. I've got them up here right now. I'm going to take a look at these. Uh, he, he, for those of you listening to this... Great, great. That have you, the DVD. If you have the DVD, Matthew writes that it is exactly at the start of Chapter Eight, in the DVD version of Caravan of Courage, uh, right near the middle of the right edge of the screen, outside the Ewok hut door, and it has the skull with antlers hanging above it. And to the right of the fence post is what he claims is an old Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal. Let me see if I can. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let me take a look at this. <laughs> yeah. It's hard yeah. to make out. <laughs> it is, but it's there. It's there. Wow. Eric, I just Eric, I just <laughs> sent you the pictures. Maybe you can take a look. In, uh, okay. Because I want your expert opinion, because I don't think there's a single person alive who knows more about the film Caravan of Courage than our pal Eric Walker here. And so I want oh. your expert opinion on whether or not Matthew actually found this Winnie the Pooh that had snuck into the Ewok village for what sort of nefarious deeds, I don't know. (laughs) But I guarantee you he was an Imperial spy. Oh, bother. (laughs) (laughs) We'll check it out. Uh, But Eric, uh, in the meantime, we're going to get that uh, copy of Tangier Dream off to uh, Matthew and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show last week and chatting with us, and also giving up a copy of your of your CD to send off to one of our one of our listeners. That was that was great, and it was a fun. It was like a scavenger hunt. 
No, no, it was my pleasure. It was fun. Great. Great, great, great. But uh, in the meantime, we'll... Matthew again. Yes, congratulations, Matthew. We'll get that uh, CD off to you as soon as possible. Uh, I think, we, Jim, did he send his address in there, or do we need to ask Matthew to send that to us? Yeah, we'll take care of all that all information, right. and uh, we'll get the disc out to him. You're going to sign it too, right, Eric? Uh, yes, I am. I'm going to you know, go ahead and open it, and I'll go ahead and sign it. And also, I'm going to send him a Mace Tawani picture signed. So, oh, so, oh, so I'm going to add that one. Bonus! Wow, we don't even have that, Jason. I know, I know. I, in fact, I need... I need the OM, the original mace, to adorn the Palatial Forcecast studio wall here. So sure, no, problem. You got no another problem. one. That would be great. <laughs> it has That's to awesome. happen. It does. It, it has does. to say the OM. You know what? I tell you what. Uh, before we let you go, Eric, uh, Matthew does write in his email, and, and I don't think he's just kissing up. I think he. I think he's sincere about this. He says, and for the record. I always include both Ewok movies when doing my Star Wars movie marathons. They are forever full G canon to us all the way. So it's oh, not nice. just it's not just six Star Wars films. It's eight Star Wars films, including the Ewok movies, according to Matthew Saloff. But there was a question. What actually prompted you to contact the Force cast was this question about of canonosity. And where does the Ewok films, where does it fit in the timeline? And where does it fit in terms of uh, ranking canon? And, um, Jim, you did a little follow-up with the Keeper of the Holocron, Leland Chi, because there is, despite regardless of how you classify this, what level of canon, G-canon, T-canon, whatever, the question is, where does it fit in the timeline? Yeah, and that we, was a big question. Now, as far as its its particular level of canonicity, there still hasn't been, I, I don't believe, at least Leland didn't reveal to us, an actual letter designation for these Ewok films. Even though George worked on them, Leland warns us not to consider them G-canon just because of George's involvement. So that mm. further complicates no, I, 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 You know, I could see everybody's point of view, and I could see them not wanting to call it that but the reality is is you know that's like if you if he wants to forget about George Lucas's uh you know involvement in it and saying don't include that then then I guess we could just not include him as being the creator of Star Wars so that doesn't make sense to me so but that's my opinion yeah yeah well we'll we'll, we'll see where you know but in terms of the timeline you know, it's all over the place. Um, you said that in conversations with the uh, filmmakers, uh, Eric, that they placed this well after Return of the Jedi, way after yeah, Return of the Jedi, like 150 time, years. We were curious about after right? Return Warren of the and Jedi. I were curious kids, you know, so we were asking. You of know? course, this was a real universe to you guys, and so you asked, and the answer was 150 years. Uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia articles uh, place this somewhere in between Empire and Jedi. Jim, what does Leland say? Well, Leland says over at Lucasfilm and in the domain of the Holocron Keeper, Leland says in the EU they had considered 150 years after the films for the Ewok movies, but they were not willing to accept Wicket's agelessness because, like I mentioned, Wicket didn't look a day over 160 in that movie. So, I mean, <laughs> he was the exact same Wicket. So it almost would make more sense to place the, this film in the timeline, place it before Return of the Jedi. 
However, there are many things that you can also do to place it after Jedi 2. But we're hearing 150 years from the director of the film, from one of the stars of the film, and there doesn't really seem to be any official designation for its space on the timeline or its place among Star Wars canon. So it's nowhere near the level of like holiday special, but it just is one of those things that like the Marvel comics, they don't really just know where to place them. It's in this sort of netherworld of canonosity, but you know what? That's cool. I don't care. I think they're great. And you know what else I like about the, the Ewok movies is they were being produced around the same time Willow was being produced. And there are sort of similarities in the pacing, the flavor, the, you know, how it gets dark a little here and there. And, I, I see a lot of connections. There just seems to be. Did, Jason, do you know what I'm talking about? I know about? exactly. It, it has that? a. It definitely has a similar vibe, a similar flavor. It's almost as if they're, in a way, testing some of the concepts out uh, in these films that you would later see in Willow. Yeah, it does have a similar feel, vibe. When we were up there, they were they were uh, after the second one. They were talking about getting ready to do the Howard the Duck movie, a lot. Oh. So now, where does that, that fit in like, canon? <laughs> yeah, and I and I remember I remember at that time Warwick was supposed to play Howard the Duck. Originally. Oh, is that right? He, oh, he was going to see Leah uh, Thompson in her undies. <laughs> but what? But but apparently someone went off and made the duck head, which was so expensive it was like two over two million dollars just to make the head move and everything. That's so more than Warwick, the movie made. Two million dollars. <laughs> I, I don't think the movie made two million. So you know they can could they couldn't go and do and re, redo it so they cast someone that fit the head actually a little person so wow hmm. cool interesting story I had no idea I don't recall that being in uh, Warwick's biography uh, have you had a chance uh, Eric to take a look at Warwick's uh, great biography that he I just put not. out earlier this year not. yeah you got to check that out it's really good and Jimmy and I have been told that there's actually a, a, an audio an informal audio version of it. Um, okay. That we're hoping to uh, maybe get our hands on at some point to listen to, but uh, it's I really I really recommend it um, if you can if you Absolutely. have a chance to check it out. So works uh, works a great chap. He's very funny. Yeah. So I could only imagine. So. Yeah. All right. Well, Eric Walker, O M. Thank you so much for uh, being back on the Forcecast and uh, uh, giving our winner or, or our listeners gifts, showering them with gifts and, and prizes. We really appreciate it. And thanks for the, the fun times when it comes to looking back on these movies. And they are great, and especially those of you guys out there in the uh, Forcecast listening audience that have younger children. You just can't go wrong with these movies. They are so much fun and the kids, and the kids really love them. Anyway, Eric, take care. Don't be a stranger. Stay in touch, my friend. It was my pleasure and sometime maybe later this summer if you guys want to try that commentary, let's get it done. So. Let's get it on. Yes, absolutely. That'd be great. All Eric, right. did you All look right, at guys. the photos yet? Did you look at the photos? I did, Do you I did look at the photos while you guys were talking and it does 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 look like them. Yeah. So Okay. That's from Eric Walker, <laughs> who, is, who I consider now the embodiment of Caravan of Courage. There is no man walking the planet who is more of an expert on the making of, the behind the scenes, and the overall canonicity of the Ewok films in Eric Walker. Thank you very much, Eric. All right. It's my pleasure, guys. Take care, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll get that out to you, Matthew, and congratulations again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Ciao, Ciao, guys. Bye-bye. All right, O.M., the original Mace, Eric Walker from uh, the Ewok Films. Great to have him, as always. Um, Now, 
We've had big news this week. And we got a great forecast. We got lots of news to cover. We had lots of Star Wars and pop culture, really fun stuff, uh, recent stuff too. Billy D, of course, coming up. But um, if you go over to StarWars.com, they have commentary for the Citadel, which is almost like a direct answer to uh, Jimmy, some of our buddy Kyle Newman's complaints about this episode. Kyle, of course, within minutes of the episode airing, is already sending in his own roundtable, his own roundtable review to us uh, via email. And Mm -hmm. one of Kyle's uh, issues was about the Ugnaughts. He brought it up at the end of the last roundtable last week. Um, Kyle, I guess, fancies himself something of this Ugnaught activist, you know, (laughs) civil rights activist for Ugnaughts. I guess well, if I not guess Kyle, was, who is, you know, who's going to step up to that? I didn't know the position was available, but apparently it was. <laughs> Kyle gave them his application and now he's on board with the movement. Right. And uh, so what Kyle was fretting over was why would it be that a carbon freezing chamber on a completely different planet from Besman, of course, <laughs> you know, 20 some years in the future from the events of Empire Strikes Back, why would it, why was, is it necessary to have the Ugnaughts run the machinery? Why, why you mean, is You that? mean before Empire Strikes Back, not after Empire. Oh, I'm sorry, before did Empire. I say after? You did, you did. Yeah. I mean, after, you know, episode five, six, seven. I know, but see, you know what? If I, do, here's the thing. If I don't correct you now, we'll get an email. We'll get 10 emails. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll hear it when I'm editing too, and I hate that. <laughs> oh man, why did I say? But, but of course, people? we know that Jimmy Mac knows that uh, the events of the Citadel take place before the events of the Empire Strikes Back. But nonetheless, yes, Jim, it, 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 we're talking about space and time between the events of the Citadel and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yay, Ugnots still pulling the levers on the carbon freezing chamber. Kyle felt that that was a little stereotypical. Right, because he is, of course, the civil rights activist for the Ugnats. <laughs> well, what you know, Dave Filoni, like I said, in his commentary, answers Mr. Newman's complaints. A funny thing, you can't have evidently a carbon freezing chamber without having an Ugnat run it. So I'm imagining somehow that the Ugnats must be very good at carbon freezing. They know a lot about it. Because we've got an Ugnaught, Urkzalis, running the machine. You know, and I don't, you know, I guess maybe when you open the big box to install your own carbon freezing chamber, the Ugnaught's there. Maybe he delivers it. Um, Maybe he's in the box. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was a neat little nod back to Empire Strikes Back to have an Ugnaught there. Um, Best carbon freezers in the galaxy. (laughs) hands down and when he said he was speculating perhaps the Ugnaughts are actually in the box do you think he was thinking about the official force cast cardboard box he may have been been. I like the idea of you opening up the box and the the Ugnaughts like (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) they would poke holes in the box oh that's true they would or maybe they would just freeze him in carbonite so when you get him you unfreeze him (laughs) Just pops right out. <laughs> Perfect. There it is. That's what you have. <laughs> but of course, you, you know, sure. they you 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 run the risk of, you know, as what Kyle was saying was you run the risk of making the universe very small when you compartmentalize these these alien species. And 
Um, but I can just imagine that given all of the wonderful references, and we'll talk about it on this week's uh, roundtable for Citadel, but all the wonderful references to the original trilogy, particularly Empire Strikes Back, that there was just no way they could not have an Ugnot. And Jim, I'd be willing to bet you dollars to donuts that if this episode would have aired sans Ugnot, there'd have been an outcry. Newman would have been like, where's my Ugnot? How can you have the freezing chamber without an Ugnot? At least have one there. <laughs> Guarantee. <laughs> you can't have the best of both worlds. You have to have the Ugnot there. You have to. I mean, right. come on, that was great. Who didn't love seeing that? Well, like you said, we'll get into it on the round table. But <laughs> I loved it. I loved every minute of that scene. Me too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. You got something else? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> what about the Forcecast Facebook page? Now, you remember, Jason, a few weeks ago, we had asked listeners if they dared enough to try to get involved in another Forcecast songwriting parody contest oh. akin to the Mandalore Rain contest of 2010. <laughs> the notorious Mandalore Rain contest. Contest. Now, it's gotten to the point where I can't even hear any Bruce Hornsby without <laughs> thinking of Mandalore Rain and big honking Steve Glosson hitting the high note. <laughs> Beautiful tenor voice on that guy. Beautiful tenor voice. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> so, some fans have been weighing in with certain <laughs> suggestions. And on the Forcecast Facebook page, Nick Lyons says, a few song parody ideas. He starts with number one, Killer T to the tune of Killer Queen by Queen. Obviously. Uh, oh, that's a good one. For Mandalore, remember the Poison T yeah. episodes, the, 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 the epic T episodes. Then you have uh, Enter Savage to the tune of Metallica's Enter Sandman. Okay. 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 I can see it. Blast Through the Heart to the tune of Bon Jovi's Shot through the heart. This song would be about Cy Snoodles killing. Oh, oh Shot I like that. <laughs> I can't. I've never tried to make Zero sing. That's tough. We talked That's about this tough. with James Arnold Taylor making a, making a character sing. I'm going to have to workshop with that one. <laughs> put that four, one in previews. Eagles. I'm sorry, Jay. No, not sorry. I said put that one in previews. All right. Yes, the absolutely. Eagles. Eagle song, Witchy Woman, does not require a name change. Oh. I guess that would be a song about... Witchy women, Witch I might call it. Women. Witchy Ventress. Witchy women. And then you have the Battle of Camino to the tune of Led Zeppelin's The Battle of Evermore. Mm. I don't know if that's going to really work because I don't think they actually say The Battle of Evermore anywhere within the lyrics of that song, but... Mm. I love Led Zeppelin and Star Wars. <laughs> if anyone can figure out a way to make it happen, let's make it happen, Captain. <laughs> now, Andy Lythe weighs in, and he says, how about a parody to pay homage to the Night Sisters trilogy? Could be done to the tune of the Bee Gees Night Fever. And then I wrote him back. He wrote me again saying, you can do it. And I said, no, 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 you can do it. And he said, no, 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 you can do it. With, he said, you have audio software where you can fix the pitch. And I wrote him back and I said, Andy, 
There is no pitch changer in the world that <laughs> enabled me the ability to sing the Bee Gees Night Fever. <laughs> but, but this is one of those things that kept me up at night, and I had to get it off my plate. And Andy Lythe, be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> you actually might get it. May I present? I don't know if excellent is the work. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Excellent. I don't think so. What sorcery is this? Like oh, my man. face is red. It's at least it's it's feeling very warm. I can't see a mirror, but I think my face has actually been made red by a piece of production I did. But you know what? Sometimes here on the Force Cast, we we bite the bullet, we step into that carbon freezing chamber, and we say, "I know," <laughs> and you turn it on. The Ugnot turns it on and freezes us. I love that's it. How, I love that's it. How we tough skin here on the Force Cast, and we have the ability to embarrass ourselves in front of a worldwide audience. So the Billy D quote of the week. <laughs> Once again, because we're milking it for as much as it's worth. Oh, you're going to. back to his, his amazing turn as the con man on the show White Collar. It debuted like a month ago. <laughs> we're still talking about it yeah. here on the Billy D quote of the week. And that's for a good reason. Because this particular episode featured a ton of great Billy D dialogue. And we have it all here. We received a ton of it. From our buddy, J.C. Reifenberg. Good old J.C. Reifenberg. J.C. Yes, J.C. is a Chicago filmmaker. He's producing a Star Wars fan film called Hughes the Force. These guys have got me going behind the scenes now, and they're keeping me up to date on everything going on with the making of this fan film. They, they promised me it's going to be the biggest thing to hit Star Wars fandom in a long time. So, those guys are like, why did he say that? He's putting so much pressure on us. <laughs> but um, JC is a great guy who sent us all the Billy D dialogue from the episode of White Collar. And he put it all in this long montage. It was like six minutes long. So I went through there and I couldn't let it go. I had to listen to all of it. <laughs> and I picked my top three favorite quotes from that episode. So without further ado, the Billy D quote of the week, top three from USA's White Collar. I'm a stone. I rub my fingers with it every morning. That's right. Number three, pumice stone. I rub my fingers with it every morning. It's <laughs> pretty good stuff right there. That is. That is. I mean, you know that Billy D. Those hands are smooth, baby. Oh, they are smooth. They are smooth. And Billy D is smooth. And speaking of smooth, we've always admired his clothing, especially his shoes. And he's wearing those totally badass shoes of his, those white and black ones in this episode. Is he really? He's oh, yeah. He is so styling in this episode. So he doesn't even have wardrobe on this. He just shows up and he just he's just Billy D. He brings his own clothes. Brings it all to the table. Too he bad he didn't bring those, those Hans clothes from the end of Empire. Wouldn't it be great to have him show up on one of these TV shows <laughs> wearing that white shirt and the, and the vest? <laughs> and it just happened to be a coincidence. <laughs> I, I wore this at the end of Empire. 
Maybe he just had that in his closet. Maybe it really wasn't Han's clothes. Maybe that was just Billy D. Man so smooth, he wears his own clothes to his shoots. It's what I wear when I'm going to be rendezvousing on Tatooine. <laughs> All right, so now the Billy D quote of the week is proud to present the number two quote from Billy D's amazing and incredible cameo on USA Network's White Collar. You be careful where you're pointing that banger, kid. Ooh. You be careful where you're pointing that finger, kid. <laughs> That's true advice from the man who knows. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that right there. A lot of wisdom. And so now I know everyone's on the edge of their seats. You guys are bubbling with anticipation, waiting for the number one quote from Billy D. Williams. Epic. Did I say epic? How about amazing? Did I say amazing? How about stupendous cameo on USA's white collar? I would call it scrum trilescent. Ooh, you made up a word for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take credit for that one. That's all James Lipton by way of Will Ferrell. There was no word to describe how excellent the performance was, so Will Ferrell as James Lipton had to create one. It fits. It fits. So here's the number one quote. You tell people that you've done time and they have a bad way of looking at you. Tell people that you've done time and they have a bad way of looking at you. Those are almost lyrics to a blues song. I would love (laughs) Billy D do an album of Chicago blues Oh, but the lyrics are nothing well, but you know, his dialogue now, from USA Network's White Collar. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just jogged my memory. Wasn't there talk last year about him doing another album? Of course, his first album, the one of the so rare, and uh, it's one of my most cherished possessions here, the Billy D. Quote of the Week uh, from back in the 60s. But there was talk about him doing some new recording, Jim. Do you remember this? It, it seems like there's always talk of Billy D going back into the recording studios to lay down some new music, but it just never seems to happen. Uh, his his acting career is still going pretty strong, right? which is phenomenal, especially considering we have a segment called the Billy D Quote of the Week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and but I guess the music would qualify. The music would qualify. But uh, he was doing a duet with somebody. Was, it wasn't Aretha. Who, who was it? Wow. Major R and B. Major. I don't know. We'll have to go back into the uh the forecast forecast archives. But I remember this was a story we talked about during the Billy D quote of the week that uh he was playing around with going back into the studio because he had some success recently with uh with another artist. But anyway, we could we're we're left to hope. We're yeah. left to hope. That's all we got is Billy D fans is just hope. A new <laughs> All right. If you've got a Billy D quote of the week, you can send it to us here to forcecast at forcecast.net. And you know what? JC, not only did he say, you know, we get a lot of emails where it's like, hey, Jimmy, go pull this audio. I mean, I do that all the time. I email Jim. Hey, Jim, you should pull this audio. JC pulled the audio for you, Jim. Yeah, that did help a lot, because like I said, it was a very dialogue heavy episode for Billy D. It wasn't just like searching out a scene or two and hoping he says something wacky. This was, he was in scene after scene after scene, so, you know, it did. It saved me a lot of time, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, anyway, like I said, forecast at forecast.net. 
All right, Star Wars and pop culture. I have to start off by saying that uh, I'm pretty proud of myself because I caught two of these this week, though this first one that we have from 30 Rock, I'm not getting credit for, and I just realized why. Because I was not the first kid to the blackboard on this. I watch everything on delay. Everything. (laughs) I watch everything on DVR. So... (laughs) I'm emailing Jimmy, of course, bizarre on a, you know, what was we, I was watching this last night, as a matter of fact. So on a Monday night, I'm emailing Jimmy like, oh, Star Wars pop culture on 30 Rock this week. And I'm describing it. And I'm, I'm so excited because to me, it's like it's brand new. Right. But of course, I'm not watching it live. And Aaron Goins, longtime and faithful force cast listener, beat me to the punch on this one. He did, he did, and it was a busy week for Star Wars and pop culture, but we'll start off with um, 30 Rock, which is the first of our usual suspects. We have some, you know, classic franchises that have made a tradition out of paying tribute to Star Wars in one way, shape, or form. 30 Rock is the first one up to the plate tonight. Aaron says, hey guys, last night's episode of 30 Rock had a nice Star Wars reference. The scene is Liz Lemon at a bar, and she's looking for an excuse to leave. She realizes she doesn't have her driver's license and is about to leave until a good-looking guy comes up to buy her a drink. He proceeds to drop some Star Wars knowledge on her to impress her. Check out the clip. Aaron, again, another top-notch effort from a listener. He sends me the clip, saving me the time. So here's the clip of a little Star Wars knowledge being dropped on Liz Lemon by some good-looking guy. So, did they make your droids wait outside, too? Seriously, why can't droids go into the cantina? I mean, Ponda Baba can try to shoot Luke. But a protocol droid is somehow a problem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she throws down the Ponda Baba. I, I know. I know. Yep. Yep. I was watching that. that. Yeah. That is hardcore. That is hardcore because even I say walrus man. Okay. (laughs) And, and walrus man itself is hardcore. There's nothing casual about that at all. You have to know star Wars to be able to throw down a, a Ponda or a walrus man. So Liz lemon. Wow. Pretty impressive stuff. I know. And if you notice later in the episode, uh, there, they show a chart of Liz's, you know, the loves of Liz's life. And number one is Star Wars. Next, it's like beyond like food. It's like Star Wars and food and, but it was a visual gag. So can't really have that as the Star Wars and pop culture, but nonetheless, so big fan there. And I think, you know, from what we've been able to tell that uh, that's pretty sincere Star Wars adoration coming from, uh, from Tina Fey. So, so she's a big Star Wars fan. We know for sure Tracy Morgan's a huge fan because, after all, he did see Star Wars 500 times. Yeah, you know what? I miss Tracy this week because this was the first episode that we've seen uh, that they filmed since Tracy had his surgery. He had a kidney transplant. And uh, right. from what I understand, everything uh, went well and he'll be back on the series before the before it wraps up in May. But nonetheless, it was uh, he was missed. He was missed. I think they said he was... Uh, in Africa, fundraising or doing something because you know he got his egot on the show. If you're following, he did. It. He got yeah. the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. Yeah, so now he has respect, so he can't do anything fun. So he's got to do all the. <laughs> he's got to go fundraise for all these causes. So that's well, a Jason. Great show. You said you often watch TV on delay. I am uh, about two months behind on my Thirty Rock. They're all still saved on the TiVo, so I will catch up. No. Great show. 
great Star Wars fans. And as I said, it was a very busy week here at Star Wars at Pop Culture Central. Um, this one, this next one, like I said, heavy hitting franchises with the tradition of paying tribute to Star Wars all checking in. The Simpsons. Of course, we all know the Simpsons were some of the first ones to the table way back when, when, uh, when, uh, was it Ralph Wiggum who bent his Wookiee? <laughs> That's right. Remember that early that was episode first, yeah. from, uh, early season of the Simpsons when, uh, Ralph had brought in, instead of a, making a diorama, he brought <laughs> in a box filled with vintage Star Wars action figures. <laughs> and, uh, he actually won. He won the diorama contest with that alone. It just shows, you know, Star Wars is forever, even in Springfield. And uh, Star Wars has been popping up over the years on The Simpsons nonstop. And there was another, a, a real good one, a historic one, if you believe in Rogue Squadron history. This happened on uh, The Simpsons a couple weeks ago. And uh, lots of people filled up my Gmail box uh, the, within seconds of this airing. You know, Jason, like you said, I get these emails from you like five days later. It's like, <laughs> pop culture, urgent. <laughs> like, dude, you know, people emailed us before the episode was even over. But that's okay. I, I appreciate your moxie. Yeah. Your tenacity. Yeah, I got, I got one this week, though. I got one this week. Didn't I? So just don't, don't stop being you. Just All keep right. it up. You're All doing right. a great job. But uh, and speaking of great job, here's The Simpsons. I'm and a they had this. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. I'm getting <laughs> excited. Okay. How about this? Here's the Simpsons. I'm a wingman. Part of a great tradition including Val Kilmer from Top Gun, Wedge Antilles from Star Wars, and me. <laughs> now, Gunnar Malstrom writes us and he says, I believe this is the first time Wedge Antilles has ever been uttered on television or in the movies. Is that true? Has the name Wedge Antilles ever been said on TV outside of like a commercial for uh, action figures? Or an interview with uh, Ewan McGregor. Well, I don't know about a commercial for action figures. I don't think they've ever featured Wedge in a commercial for action figures. I'm trying to think of where Wedge would have come up. Um, You know, you think maybe a a family guy. I don't know. Robot chicken. uh, Robot chicken, maybe. Yeah, I would think. I, I really don't know. It's a great question. Sounds like uh, an investigative report, Jim. <laughs> How does it now? <laughs> How about this is one we could share with our audience. If anyone can prove Gunner wrong, send us an email, forcecast at forcecast.net. Tell us where there have been an instance in pop culture or in Star Wars. Well, I mean, Wedge, I mean, his name, Wedge, was, was, was uh, his name was mentioned in, in uh, at least uh, – a New Hope and uh, Return of the Jedi, but not Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles. Yeah. That's right, because Gunner puts in quotes. Right. This is the first time Wedge Antilles has right. ever been uttered on television or in the movie. So if our listeners have an example of a previous reference first to First and Wedge last name. Antilles, yeah. Yes. On TV or in the movies, you know, not audio books or radio dramas or any of that stuff. It has to be TV or movies. It could be an old Saturday Night Live episode. I don't know. Very common name in the Star Wars universe, by the way, Antilles. It sure is. It sure is. It's like Smith. It's like, like Brown. <laughs> um, and and I, I mentioned Saturday Night Live. They, they're always doing all these incredible Star Wars references and 
little tributes here and there throughout the years. I mean, think of all the great ones they've done. You know, going back to times when Belushi was there and they had Carrie Fisher, you know, oh, dancing yeah, right. on a beach blanket. And, you know, I mean, just absurd, crazy stuff. SNL was added again. Sean Thomas, our uh, faithful listener, says, Hey, guys, just wanted to let you know about a Star Wars reference I heard while watching SNL this Saturday night. He's talking about February 12th episode. Fred Armisen was on the weekend update as former president of Egypt, Hosani Mubarak. And uh, he's up there with uh, Seth Myers. And uh, take a listen. Many expected you were going to re- uh, resign on Thursday. Instead, you gave a very defiant speech saying you would stay in power. What was your plan there? My plan was simple. I will say, I hear your complaints. I am proud of you. And therefore, I am not resigning. Basically, I was trying the old Jedi mind trick, you know, said. <laughs> it turned out I was the droid they were looking for. You know what they mean? <laughs> so so not, not only two Star Wars references this week, but two droid you were looking for references this week with 30 Rock and Saturday Night Live. And there's Come some on. crossover there. There's some crossover there. Are they stealing jokes? What's going on? Oh, they're stealing jokes, all right. I think a lot of their material comes from the Force cast. <laughs> I am becoming more convinced than ever that as we see Star Wars invading pop culture more and more, I mean, this week is just ridiculous. And there are so many that I'm not even bringing to the table because we just don't have the time. We could do a whole show on Star Wars pop culture mentions in the last week. We could do a whole show. Yeah. It's everywhere. And, and, so, and Jason, you're, you're furiously typing emails to me to tell me because, you know, I don't watch shows like Glee. <laughs> no, Jimmy doesn't watch Glee. <laughs> I don't watch Glee. It's crazy talk. Never seen, I've, I've barely seen any of Glee, but of course I get not. this frantic email from you, urgent, <laughs> urgent, that there was a Star Wars pop culture reference on Glee. Right. But, you know, but of course, like four days earlier, I got an email from Nick who says, I was watching Glee the other night. Well, you know what? Nick doesn't have a two and a half year old. Nick, how do you, <laughs> maybe he has quintuplets. And he still has time to contribute to the I Star Wars. I have to bank all my TV watching time. I have to do it and I can't watch it all as it happens. So good old Nick. I was also doing the Force cast when Glee was airing. So, yeah, you know, I'm just saying. So good old Nick showing us how it's done. He says, I was watching Glee the other night and at about 48 minutes in, one of the characters does a James Earl Jones impression. And, of course, one of them is a Star Wars reference. May the Force be with you, Nick. This morning I woke up and decided to swallow the sun. It's <laughs> my James Earl Jones impression. First of all, that is offensive. He shot Martin Luther King. Obi-Wan <laughs> never told you what happened to your father. <laughs> he shot Martin Luther King. She, of course, is referring to James Earl Ray. Yes. <laughs> and who assassinated the great Martin Luther King, but not James Earl Jones. <laughs> I don't want any of our younger listeners, our more impressionable listeners, to believe that from no. Glee. Right. I know, right. I know a lot of young kids are watching Glee these days and having their minds polluted. Cer- certainly learning their history, their American history from, from Glee makes a lot of sense. That scares me. That's yeah. what scares me. I thought I was the only one in the Forcecast listening audience uh, <laughs> that watched Glee. I didn't even think Jimmy would I, – I, I thought that Jimmy would be so opposed to even putting it on the show. 
I know how you feel about shows like Glee. Bunch of kids singing and dancing. I know how you feel, Jason. No, it's right. It's right. But I thought, well, you know what? Jason's asking for it. <laughs> and it is a perfect setup to our final bit of Star Wars and pop culture for this week. And it is the man himself, James Earl Jones, making an appearance on the Gail King show on Oprah's network. So Gail King has James Earl Jones there, and she hands him a copy of the lyrics of Justin Bieber's Baby Baby. So this is an incredible moment. You're going to hear musical talent like you've never heard before. (laughs) Forget Glee. Those the, kids aren't by, by the way, Justin Bieber's Baby Baby was featured very prominently on Glee this week. So it's just, I'm sure it was. It's just, That's a match, match made in heaven. <laughs> and, and, and believe me, Forcecast listener, this was no easy chore for me to do. Perusing through an episode of Glee. And then, <laughs> and then I, I actually watched. I know you were captivated. J- Jimmy started it out and he was going scru- to scrub through it, but... I know you. there were moments where you were totally captivated. Oh, no. Thank God for our listener, Nick, because he told me it was 48 minutes in. I jumped right to 48 minutes in, and 48 minutes, boom, listen, in and out. Listen to me, Forcecast listeners. Next time there is a Star Wars pop culture reference in Glee, do not send Jimmy the audio. Do not send him the counter, the time code. You Just, just tell him it's, it's somewhere in the second half. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah, because... I- because I, you know what? I'd love for Billy D to show up on an episode of Glee. Then you'd really be screwed. We need to get Billy Maybe. D on Glee. <laughs> Billy D Williams on Glee, if for no other reason, to force Jimmy Mack to watch an episode. People standing in front of the Fox Network headquarters holding picket signs, <laughs> all chanting at once Billy D on Glee! Billy D on Glee! Billy D on Glee! So we got James Earl Jones here on The Gail King Show. Cut number one. James Earl Jones reciting the lyrics to Justin Bieber's smash hit, Baby Baby. I love people who have never seen Star Wars. I know, I've never, I've never heard Justin Bieber. <laughs> but here I go. Okay. Are we an item girl? Quit playing. <laughs> We're just friends. What are you saying? Said there's another look right in my eyes. My first love broke my heart for the first time. And I was like, baby, 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 oh, like baby, 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 no, like baby, 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 oh, I thought you'd always be mine, mine. (laughs) Oh, boy. Who does Gail King think she is making Darth Vader jump through hoops like that? But you know what? You know, found- he's got to be tired of that. Because so, everybody, you know, that, that has James Earl on the show, they always got to get him to read something. I come on, so. come on I mean- this show. Come on this show, James Earl Jones. We're not going to make you jump around and do tricks, entertain us like that. It would be cool to hear him say, the galaxy is listening. Oh, well, we're gonna, would- oh of course we're going to have him cut that, but off the air. <laughs> now, this is podcasting. Now, he'd get nothing but respect on this show. But on the other side of the coin, God bless Gail King, because this is some compelling audio. I, I listened to I, We were just going to play the clip, but I started to, to ponder, does James Earl Jones actually have a talent? Could he be the next teenage heartthrob? Could he become the next king of bubblegum pop? 
How close is he to actually nailing Justin Bieber's Baby Baby? I don't really know. I'm not very familiar with the song. Occasionally, it's playing on the loudspeakers at the health club, but I'm usually listening to my iPod anyway, so I don't hear it. So, God, you know, like I told you, I had to suffer before to watch Glee. This week now, I watched a Justin Bieber video. Do you hear the sacrifice? Do you hear the sacrifice in his voice? What, what, what Jimmy Matt goes through to bring you the Star Wars and pop stuff. culture segment? No. No. Not easy at all. But I do it because I love James Earl Jones. I love you, the Force Cast listener. And I wanted to see if James Earl Jones had what it takes to appeal to the teenage mindset in the year 2011. So I created the mashup. This is what you've been waiting for. It's the mashup. James Earl Jones, Darth Vader doing a duet with Justin Bieber. It's Baby Baby. Are we an item girl with playing? We're just friends. What are you saying? Said there's another look right in my eyes. My first love broke my heart for the first time. And I was like, baby, 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 oh. Like, baby, 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 no. Like, baby, 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 oh. I thought you'd always be mine. Mine. Okay. It works for me. It works for me. Maybe it works they, for you. And maybe me. they maybe they could do a re-release of the tune, you know, and you know how you know how they do this at R&B, you know, featuring. So it would be it'd be Justin Bieber's <laughs> Baby Baby featuring James Earl Jones, yeah. right? James James Earl to the Jones. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're getting away from what makes James Earl Jones the Star Wars legend that he is. So I thought we should Vaderize the clip <laughs> and just imagine, imagine if you will with me, you know, this is gonna, <laughs> go ahead. I was go say, ahead. You know what you're doing here. You're just playing into the hands of those folks at Disney. You know, <laughs> you know, this is going to be part of the, uh, you know, the, the end or romp or whatever it is that they call it at the end of the at the end of the day celebrations at Disney. <laughs> I, you're contributing to this, Jimmy Mack. All right. Well, listen, for starters, I don't think you're laughing with me. I think you're laughing at me. <laughs> and secondly, um, we'll all be the judge of that after we hear the clip. Imagine a scene from episode four. This could end up on the Blu-ray, actually. <laughs> this, was, this was a very rare tape. It was found on the cutting room floor. And uh, this features Darth Vader roaming the halls of the Death Star. And he's, he's remembering Padme. And it was, it's one of those moments where he's just, mm, mm. He, he, he's overwhelmed. So powerful. It's so powerful. <laughs> and, and so w- what better way for the Dark Lord to express his inner angst then with the lyrics of Justin Bieber's Baby Baby. Are we an item girl with playing? We're just friends. What are you saying? Said there's another look right in my eyes. My first love broke my heart for the first time. And I was like, baby, 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 oh, like baby, 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 no, like baby, 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 oh, I thought you'd always be mine. <laughs> 
You can imagine the look on the Imperial officers that just happened to be coming down the hallway behind him. <laughs> he doesn't know they're there. You know? Exactly. Like him, keeping a safe distance, but not looking like they're trying to keep their distance. <laughs> oh, my. Those are great. What a great lineup. Star Wars in pop culture. Like we said, if you've got one, send it to us. Forcecast at forcecast.net. Subject line. Star Wars in pop culture. And, of course, you're going you're gonna to beat me every time because... I watch my TV like three to four days after the fact. But that's okay. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. I was just glad to see Glee get represented on Star Wars and Pop Culture. That's very cool. Okay. Oh, we have a Cantina guest. Yeah, this is I'm really excited to talk to this guy. We've got Jeff York's coming on. And uh let me go ahead. Jim, do you want to get him on or you want me to get him on? Uh no, we're gonna get him on Skype. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Jeff is uh you be waiting by his Skype now, Jeff. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy who's worked on some uh, Force Cast favorites, such as Fanboys. Jeff worked on Fanboys. As a matter of fact, he cut up all the Fanboys webisodes called Disturbances in the Force. He knows guys like uh, Kyle Newman, Dan Fogler. He's worked on a lot of movies, done a lot of cutting up trailers and stuff. He's got a very critical eye for the way film is cut. And he's currently working on the new Drew Struzan documentary called Drew Struzan, the man behind the poster. And uh, Hello. he's a life. Hey, there he is. Hey, hey Jeff, how's it is. going? We're just talking about you and uh, some of your uh, past works on fanboys and the uh, new Drew Struzan documentary, which we first heard yes. about at Celebration 5. It's called The Man Behind the Poster. And just to kick things off, uh, welcome to the Forcecast. And Thank tell you very us, much. Tell us what, just a little bit for our listeners who don't really know about the man, what Drew Struzan's legacy is, especially concerning Lucasfilm properties like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and what his artwork means to you. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh... Drew Struzan is probably the most f- not famous, famous person. Um, his art has been seen, I'd say, by everyone in the world. Um, you know, he's done movie posters for a bunch of Star Wars movies, certainly all the special editions, but Revenge of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi, uh, all the Indiana Jones movies, all the Back to the Future movies, uh, Goonies, a bunch of the Muppet movies, um, sort of all the great movies that uh we all grew up with um yeah. and police academy oh, and right. um <laughs> academy. all the great ones yeah. and police academy <laughs> yes so um yeah and i guess growing up because i was a fan of all those movies you know you couldn't you know look in the newspaper and see these ads and, and not fall in love with them you know um so even at an early age i just started collecting his stuff um, I think there was a point in high school where I had the, the Flintstones poster on my wall and my parents were like, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't know what to make of that. Yeah. But um, his work is incredible and he truly is the last, uh, I guess, painted movie poster artist. And so it's about time he gets the recognition he deserves. Yeah, and his style is just so realistic. Everyone listening to the show has seen his work. You know all the – they're just great collages of close-ups of the characters' faces and maybe some action in the background usually. He, he usually focused on the characters in the forefront with little action going on in the background, which I thought was right. always 
beautiful look. And like I said, it's very photorealistic, his style. And mm-hmm. there's this great documentary, The Man Behind the Poster. Tell us what your involvement is with this documentary and when it comes out and how we can get it. Right. Uh, so this is sort of a crazy story. But, um, you know, like you and I'm sure many of the listeners, I had heard about the documentary, I think maybe a couple weeks before Comic-Con. And as a fan um, and a movie trailer editor, I instantly wrote to the producer uh, and I was like, hey, I would love to cut your movie trailer. Um, in any way, shape, or form, I'd love to help out. And, um, you know, I sent him some of my, you know, the stuff that I've cut, and uh, I heard nothing. So um, I actually went down to Comic-Con, because it actually, as it turned out, Drew was doing a signing with Frank Darabont for, he did a limited edition Walking Dead um, poster. Um, and so here was my opportunity. You know, at all the conventions I'd been to in my life, Drew was never at any of them, but here he was going to be. So I was like, well, I'm at least going to go to meet the guy and have him sign my Back to the Future poster. And so, um, yeah, I went down with a friend, and uh, we were first in line for the signing. And as I was getting the stuff signed, there was a camera crew on me. And so right after I got the stuff signed, they're like, hey, uh, would you mind signing this release? And I realized it's the documentary crew. And um, I was like, uh, are you uh, Charles, the producer who I'd written to? And he just looked at me and just instantly was just asked, are you, are you Jeff Yorks? Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, so he, you know, remembered all the stuff that I sent. He, I, apparently they were just very busy, um, you know, getting stuff ready for the little, little screening they, sh- you know, they had at Comic-Con. So he's like, you know, apologize. He wasn't able to get back to me, but he would definitely be in touch, he said. So um, cut to, which is an editing term we editors like to use. Oh, uh, nice. nice. Good for you. you. Yes. Uh, about like three months later, uh, you know, I still hadn't heard anything until I got an email one day from the producer, Charles again. And he, uh, he said, how, you know, how can I reach you by phone? So I instantly, you know, gave him my phone number thinking I am cutting this trailer. This is great. This is a, a dream. And uh, as soon as I got on the phone with him, you know, we made small talk and he said, uh, so uh, what's your schedule like? And I'm like, well, we're, we're, what's going on? What, what are you guys up to? And they're like, well, we, um, we don't have an editor. Um, so I was actually flying to New York anyway for my, uh, for my bachelor party the following week. And I made it a plan to meet up with him and the director, Eric Sharkey. And um, I think they very quickly understood that I was possibly a bigger fan of Drew Struzan's than they were. <laughs> <laughs> you start schooling them? Yeah, I, I just knew too much about really ridiculous things. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, by the end of a brief you know, dinner that we had, I was making plans to come back for the entire month of October, I guess it was, to cut the movie with them. Yeah. So uh, I did that for all of October. I got married in November, went on my honeymoon, and then went back to New York in December and continued to cut. Then uh, when December was over, I was back in L.A., uh, and I was just finishing up the movie. So uh, I actually just sent out my first cut um, to the director and to the producer for them to check out. So I have a feeling it's a a half hour too long, Um, although if you ask me, it's two hours too short. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're looking to have it ready to premiere, we hope at this year's Comic-Con. 
Now, Jeff, you went from being obviously a huge, huge fan of Drew Struzan and just trying to meet him in line at a convention to actually getting to spend some decent quality time with him. Tell us about actually getting to go and kind of hang out with him and and uh, you know meeting one of your heroes. Yeah, I guess uh, when I'd met him at Comic-Con... Um, I went to shake his hand. He's like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. And Drew Struzan refused to shake my hand. And I assumed it was because he was an artist. And, you know, God forbid he meets someone who just squeezes the life out of his, you know, <laughs> livelihood. Um, and as I was cutting the documentary, the footage of me, you know, meeting him is, you know, on my computer screen. <laughs> right before that, you know, shot of me was basically his, the publisher of his book telling him, oh, my God, you just had a grandkid? Well, you shouldn't shake anyone's hand today. Um, and so I realized oh. what was going on there. And uh, so, yeah, when I came back to L.A., the director's like, look, you've got to go over to Drew's and show him some of the stuff you've cut. And I was like, oh, my God. This is a so, guy that wouldn't um, even I, shake I, my hand. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went over to Drew Struzan's house. Um, got, the, got the rubber gloves on. Yep. I, I was terrified. And, uh, you know, uh, he couldn't have been nicer. And we just like sat in his house, you know, in his living room, dwarfed by his artwork and his uh, his fine art, uh, separate of his movie poster stuff. His fine art is so incredible, um, and it's just it's just overwhelming. And so we watched the two sequences that I was allowed to show him, you know, that I was given permission by uh, the director and producer to show, and then we just hung out. Then we just talked for about two hours. Mm. And, uh, you know, I reminded him that he didn't shake my hand. He's like, oh, yeah, because I just had my grandkid. So he definitely made up for it. We shook hands right then and there. Right. And uh, I said, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not ask to go into your studio to check it out. And, uh, yeah, next thing you know, uh, you know, I am in Drew Struzan's studio. Uh, he had a, an incredible drawing that apparently he did that morning of uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. And um, it was amazing. And, you know, you look around and you just see all his brushes and you see how neat it is. You know, all his artwork has like this splattery textured effect mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. his, his studio could not have been cleaner. Um, and then, yes, yeah, sitting on one of his chairs is just uh, an Indiana Jones fedora and whip because, you know, <laughs> he has, he, you know, they gave it to him because, you know, half the time it's him posed as Indiana Jones. Wow. Um, so he uses himself and the costumes, the official costumes as reference. Mm -hmm. Um but it was incredible. And then, you know, I said, look, I, again, I have to geek out here. I brought some things I, I would love for you to sign. I just, I'm embarrassed. He's like, let's get them. Let's, I'll absolutely sign them. And uh, we went over to my car and I pulled out, you know, a couple of Star Wars posters, a great Muppet Caper poster, a book. Like, it was sort of like Mary Poppins' bag where I just kept pulling out things that you just couldn't even comprehend. <laughs> How did but, they even uh, fit in there? It's crazy. Obviously, Drew's career goes back and intersects with Star Wars back around 1977 with the famed mm -hmm. uh, the circus poster, as it's known, the re-release poster, and all the way through, you know, the special editions and Indiana Jones and all the the, the films that you you spoke about. Um, mm -hmm. Is it if you had to pick, what is your absolute favorite Drew Struzan movie poster? If you if you, okay. if you had to pick one, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go with the circus poster. The circus poster is sort of outrageously good um and what's amazing about it is it's two people um imagine two different people tim and charles white the third uh coming together and it was drew's first brush no pun intended with star wars mm -hmm. so it's just significant in that respect um mm -hmm. 
but it is an incredible piece of art. And like, there's really no other poster like that. I mean, it's called the circus poster because it harkens back to the old days of the circus poster, right. where they were just you know you know placed all over uh, you know walls and torn apart. And and the original circus posters were often done by uh, a few different artists, mm-hmm. but that poster is sort of uh, magical. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Back to the Future and uh, his Muppet movie posters, Great Muppet Caper is just incredible. Um, you know, we have great stories about all of these posters in the movie. Uh, you know, Great Muppet Caper, for example, he, you know, Jim Henson said, yep, you paint them exactly how I see them. Just they are alive with your brush. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, when it came time to do the Great Muppet Caper, they decided to just do a photograph and uh, it did not work. So they wound up just giving Drew the photograph and just said, you know, do your magic, yeah. which has been, you know, become synonymous with, you know, be Drew Struzan. And, and uh, I mean, that poster looks nothing like a photograph and everything like a photograph at the same time. But it's, those are not puppets. Those are not ping pong balled, you know, socks. <laughs> those are the Muppets living, you know, breathing and bursting out of that newspaper. Well, that's cool. And now just uh, so I'm totally clear on this, the circus poster that Drew created for the re-release of Star Wars, that's the poster that looks like it's sort of torn and you can see the wooden wall underneath it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to be clear on that because I actually do have that poster framed and up on a wall in my infamous Star Wars. And, uh, you know, I mean, that is is a, a fine piece of art with no question about it. And Drew's done... As you said, he's done the posters for all the Star Wars movies since the first one. Yeah, he did all, all the special editions. Um, he did, uh, you know, Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Uh, and I guess the controversy with that one is he, you know, he's just painting because he's an artist. But uh, I guess the lightsabers, are all, the colors of those are all wrong. Um, right, right. Did, not, he, only, he not only is there a blue lightsaber, which everyone knows Luke had a green lightsaber for exactly. Return of the Jedi. But... It was Vader holding the blue saber and Luke right. holding the red saber. Yep. He just right. did it because it was pretty. Uh, and, of course, years later, everyone's like, oh, my God, it is absolutely wrong. But I guess, I guess that makes that poster even you more. You know what? I, I'm looking at the poster right now. There's nothing wrong about that poster. Oh, no. That poster no, is, it is incredible. Is um, it's awesome. Cool. It's very cool. And if you want your own customized Drew Struzan Star Wars action figure, all you have to do is give Luke Skywalker – from uh, Return of the Jedi, a red lightsaber. It's the easiest <laughs> custom of all time. Yep. Yeah, it's the Struz- the, Jim, we could call it the Struzan concept, Luke Skywalker. You know, they yeah, have the whole Macquarie concept. Idea. There you go. Now we yeah, got yeah, I'm, I'm sure Hasbro is listening and taking notes. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. <laughs> It'll be out on pegs by Wednesday. <laughs> and, and I will be first in line to get it. <laughs> But now, correct me if I'm wrong, they never actually went back and fixed that gaffe. It still, to this day, remains with the, yep. the Sabres yep. flip-flops like that. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's the poster. I'm, I'm, glad. I'm glad that they never went back and fixed totally. that. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, another crazy thing, you know, this, he did the special edition posters, uh, oh. which are incredible. They work as a triptych, but a bit, basically he painted them completely separate of each other. Um, they just called him one night, and they're just like, "Hey, you want to do these, po- you know, this poster for the re-releases?" And he said, "Poster? Why don't Why don't we do posters?" And I guess because of the time frame, the you know, he pitched it over the phone, he painted it, sent it, you know, the you know, I guess for a new hope, mm-hmm. he sent it to them, and then he's like, "Oh, great! Well, now I got to do this second one, The Empire Strikes Back. I don't have the original, you know, the first poster." 
And so he just based it off of his memory. And the same wow. for Jedi. Yeah. And they all work together seamlessly. Well, they're you great. Know, I, just, I just heard from Eric Walker, who played uh, Mace in The Caravan of Courage. And he reminds Oops. us that Drew did The Caravan of Courage theatrical poster. Yes, he did. Yep. A classic. Now, a wait a minute. Classic. What year would that have been? That would have been 84. For, right uh, yeah, there it is. Jedi, right? I'm looking at it right now. There it is, and he and he yeah. drew the one and only uh, Eric Walker, the OM original Mace. There he is. I love <laughs> it. It's it's amazing. Now, when are we going to be actually able to uh, to to see this film, Jeff? And is it something that's going straight to DVD, or is it going to be you know is it going to be hitting some um, some festivals, or what's the what's the what's the plan? I mean, I guess it's it's tough to say what the distribution plan is going to be like since we haven't even completed it. Um, you know, obviously we hope it gets some sort of theatrical run. Definitely, you know, festivals would be great, um, especially the niche festivals where, you know, that are, you know, for geeks, by geeks, because mm-hmm. that is our audience. Um, but again, I think we are hoping to have it done around uh, Comic-Con. So that'd be a year from when they first showed the original clips. Right. Well, if it's done in time for Comic-Con, it would be done in time for Fan Days, which would be great. Star Wars Fan Days. Um, Now, there are major, major folks uh, featured very prominently in this documentary. Of course, George Lucas is there. In fact, the footage we've seen of George is him going through and and talking about the different uh, posters uh, in his – I'm assuming that's somewhere at Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, that – yeah, that's at uh, the Lucasfilm, um, or yeah, I guess it's a Lucasfilm building in uh, in the Presidio, I think. Mm. I wasn't there for the shooting. I just came on for post-production. But yeah, it, uh, it's basically a walking tour of, um, of Lucasfilm, and the walls are just covered with all this original art. So, you know, Drew hadn't seen half the stuff since he painted it. Right. Um, but it's it's crazy footage just having them both, you know, George and, and Drew just going back and forth talking about what they mm. like about the art. But, yeah, we have George Lucas, we have Spielberg in there, Harrison Ford, Michael J. Fox, Frank Darabont, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Steve Gutenberg, um, many, many others. Other, other artists. It's There's your Police Academy connection right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely cover Police Academy, you know? Yeah. Uh, not only did he do these fantastical sci-fi adventure movies, he did great comedies. Yeah, you know? Let us not forget Johnny Dangerously, he did. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites, Coming to America. Uh, and as like you mentioned, the Back to the Future movies. I mean, if you just if you just Google, you know, list of Drew Strews and posters, you're going to go, oh, he did that. Oh, he did that. He did that. It's really it's really incredible. And uh, the documentary looks awesome. Jeff, I hope you stay in touch with Thank us you. here on, on the Forcecast and let us know how it's going. And then once uh, once it debuts, we'd love to talk to you again, of course, and uh, talk right. more about it as, as folks are able to to actually see it. And, that sounds um, terrific. Yeah. And of course, we want to talk to you about your your days chronicling the adventures of Kyle Newman and the gang at with Fanboys too, which oh, yeah. uh, you were responsible Those are for. Definitely the, adventures. The, <laughs> I bet you got some some stories for air and some stories not for air. We want to hear all of them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> well, Jeff, thanks again so much, and uh, we Thank really you appreciate guys. your time. And uh, like I said, keep in touch, and we'll definitely be uh, anxiously awaiting the release of the film, the documentary, and you can follow all the action at drewthemovie.com. That's the place for updates. Jeff Yorks, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take All care. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Always good to uh, to get an update on uh, 
on these things. Jim, it's just such a fun time to be a Star Wars fan. There's stuff lurking around the corner at every turn. Just when you think that uh, there's nothing more to look forward to, there's, you're reminded of something else, you know? Yeah, the releases are coming fast and furious. We'll probably see this documentary get released, as you said, Jason, probably close around the time of Fan Days, which, of course, we'll also be seeing the debut of Clone Wars Season 4, the release of Star Wars on Blu-ray, probably the release of Clone Wars Season 3, and then there's an MMO and some Hasbro figures, and I'm sure it'll be trading cards, and... Everything. <laughs> it's like, wow, look at the dollar bills just fly out my wallet. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, we're going to kick it off with a big story here. You know, Jim, they just can't get the timing right. Don't they know they need to release these, these press releases and these announcements? Right before the force cast goes on the air, not right after the force cast goes on the air. It seems like no sooner do we wrap the show that there's a big, uh, a big update from Lucasfilm. And this is a huge one. I mean, we've been after this for some time. I mean, we thought Tarkin showing up in the Clone Wars was big news. Um, but this could be, I think this is bigger because we thought for a while that it just it was not going to happen, that it was maybe technically impossible for it to happen. If you don't know what we're talking about, the big announcement, Chewbacca. Chewbacca is going to make his Clone Wars debut in the season finale episode of season three. That's right. There be Wookiees here in the Clone Wars. And um, who better, who better than the uh, animation wizards with the Clone Wars to get a real sense of the real Chewbacca, how he moves, his gestures, the body language, all of that. Then by talking to the man himself, Peter Mayhew, apparently Peter Mayhew met with the animators and um, they put him through the paces, Jim, had him do his walk, had him do his, his, uh, you know, all the stuff that makes Chewy Chewy. And um, mm-hmm. so there, and it, so- it seems as though based on the limited footage that we've seen, and I'm so glad that they released the footage and I would, I dare say, call it haunting almost. It's so well done from the music cues to the setup the reveal is just incredible. What a great debut this is going to be for Chewbacca in the Clone Wars. Yeah, and they didn't overstylize his look either, which I'm thankful for. You look and you know right away it's Chewbacca, not just some random Wookiee. And uh, like you said, Jason, very, very well done with the original Star Wars music cues from John Williams. The the way that Chewie, he comes out of like a crouching position, so he stands up. And even that seemed like it was Peter Mayhew in the Chewbacca fur. I mean, really, it it just, they they captured the essence of it. We actually have some audio here from Chewbacca's debut coming up on the uh, Clone Wars Season 3 season finale next, uh, I'm sorry, it's going to be April 1st on Cartoon Network. But just listen to this. Listen to how well they incorporate the original music from Star Wars along with... um, well, you can't see the animation unless you turn your screens on. Does everyone have their screens on? Jason, you have your screen on? Everyone, uh, we don't have screens. We haven't reached that technology. No, no we're not there yet. I wish. We're getting there. We're getting there. We'll be able to actually Consider- show this. <laughs> not considering we're an audio-only podcast. <laughs> right. That would be, uh, but, you know, they are, they are making strides in hologram technology, which we'll be hearing more about later. But for now, here's the audio of Chewbacca's debut on The Clone Wars. Oh. 
What was that? A survivor. It could be one of the prisoners they were dropping off. What is that? It's a Wookiee. Not just any Wookiee snips. That there be <laughs> Chewbacca the Wookiee, the original Wookiee, the O.W. <laughs> well, and it's so great because, like you said, he's in a crouched position and it's at nighttime and he kind of there's the, the silhouette of the moon, uh, you know, or you see the silhouette of Chewbacca, you know, with uh, cast by the moonlight. It's just it's so cool and uh, a very fitting, fitting debut. And, you know, what's interesting about this, Jim, is they, they start you start hearing prisoner. You know, uh, Dave Filoni often talks about those things that we just sort of always knew about Star Wars, even though there was no reference to it. One of the things that we kind of grew up knowing, quote unquote, is that the Wookiees were slaves of the Empire and that Chewbacca was at one time, uh, you know, a slave or a prisoner of the Empire. And so to actually hear that history perhaps who knows maybe there's some sort of we know the empire is not around at this point but are there you know is there groundwork being laid is there a a wookie slave camp somewhere uh you know uh part of the separatists who knows who knows but it's it's kind of cool to those little clues from growing up and making our own you know developing our own backstory of some of these characters and of course the eu has created the backstory that said han solo was a young officer in the Imperial Academy, and he actually um, he actually graduated the academy and became full on Imperial. And uh, they were to transfer some Wookiee slaves, and somehow Han Solo turned on the Empire to help the Wookiee Chewbacca to freedom. And so that's when Chewie pledged a life debt to Han Solo, and that's how they became inseparable. Now, we could be going back into some territory here where the Clone Wars might be revising the EU. Chewbacca's Things might history, be changed yeah, yeah. regarding Chewbacca's past. Wouldn't that be wild if the episode ends, the season finale ends, with Chewbacca meeting a kid Han Solo? Yeah. Imagine. Imagine the off-season of discussions <laughs> that happening. Yeah, that would be quite a bomb. That would be kind of quite a bomb. I mean, to drop Tarkin on us, you know. I mean, first last year it was Boba Fett, uh, then uh, Tarkin this year, and Chewbacca, and maybe maybe Han Solo too. I mean, that would be that would be huge. Now that was an abandoned plot point for Episode Three. Was that kind of the reverse instead of? Han rescuing Chewie, it was the Wookiees raising a human child. And uh, there was a sort of a, I don't know, like right out of the Jungle Book, like uh, Mowgli, a Mowgli version of Han Solo, a concept that was uh, bandied about for episode three that, that did, not, did not make it. I don't think they ever filmed anything. I think there's just concept art, but... Uh, well, I welcome it as long as they don't feature a young Han Solo skipping around the jungle in a loincloth singing <laughs> Bare Necessities with Chewbacca. <laughs> I welcome it. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be great. April 1st, so it's going to be a long, long summer, uh, a long hiatus with no Clone Wars if we're getting our last episode in April. You know what I'd like to see? Hmm. Season 3 box set hit like sometime in June, you know, late May, sometime in June. So you got all summer to really go back and rewatch and digest and get into them right before you get the Blu-ray release of... uh, of the complete saga, but you know it's not going to work out that way. You know they're going to street the same day. You just know it. Mark my words, people. You're going to have the Old Republic. You're going to have some other video game that has not yet been announced. You're going to have the complete saga on Blu-ray, and you're going to have Season 4 Blu-ray all streeting the same day in September. I'm telling you. My 401k is going to get raided. <laughs> Yeah, because you got to go buy a new TV and a Blu-ray player with that. I know. I was just thinking about that the other day. I tell you what, when you get home with all that stuff, you can you can crash here at the Placial Force Cast Studios. You can you could be on my futon after <laughs> after you get home with all that to, under your arm. I might have to be because I'll get kicked out of the house. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right, uh, moving along. Dave Prouse. We have some. Uh, Sad news regarding Dave Prouse. If you are planning to see Dave at an upcoming convention, including the big show in Toronto next month, March 19th and 20th, uh, not going to happen, says Dave. Of course, we've heard about his hip replacement, but apparently there's some complications with that. And he wrote on his website that he's not going to be able to honor some of his upcoming personal appearances and commitments. He says, many of you will know and would have seen me hobbling about with the assistance of a crutch at conventions worldwide, the result of a deep-seated infection in the metalwork of a replacement hip. My last surgery was a two-stage hip revision with all the metalwork removed, followed by a course of intravenous antibiotic, then new metalwork replaced when the surgeon was satisfied that the infection was cleared. All went wrong from then on. The cup joint in the hip became loose. Then a couple weeks later, the infection returned and now needs dressing on a daily basis. This sounds, this sounds like that uh, Dan Wallace uh, Anatomy of Darth Vader book, Jim, we talked about last week. I'm getting yeah. squeamish. My surgeon told me I would never walk properly again and suggested a second opinion as he has gone as far as he was able. In the following months, my hip and the infection has become worse where I'm unable to walk at all without a crutch and I'm in considerable discomfort on the bright side i've been introduced to two eminent hip surgeons at another london hospital who have traced the infection and now want me hospitalized for another replacement the next op will be major and at present i have no idea to when i'll be admitted and just as importantly how long the recovery will be before i can walk properly and resume work i've been told to avoid long haul flights so the first opting out i have to do is the toronto show march 19th and 20th sincere apologies to organizers and fans i will update the website so that everyone fans promoters and agents can keep up to date with the progress i am hopefully making so dave prouse of course a legend and uh as colin ferguson pointed out what a stride that man can wear a cape (laughs) but uh no i mean uh you talk about a walk jim we were talking about of course uh you know peter mayhew and his iconic walk and stride as Chewbacca, but James or uh, Dave Prowse has, has another one of those. And I, and I'm hoping that should the day come where the animators of the clone Wars series need to bring to life, Darth Vader full stride that they've got, they've got uh, David Prowse 
in there and able to walk on his own without the assistance of a crutch. Uh, that's my yeah. hope. So all the best to uh, Dave Prowse. Like I said, the guy is a legend. He is Darth Vader. And he'll write this on, on the autograph, too. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does uh, sign his, his he personalizes his autographs. Dave Prowse is Darth Vader, and he's been doing that for years and years. He's a real nice guy. Uh, we like him a lot here at the Forcecast, and we encourage all Forcecast listeners to send positive vibes through the Force to Dave Prowse. If you want to keep up with his progress as he goes through the second hip replacement surgery, you can follow him at DarthVader-StarWars.com. That's Dave's official website, and um, he, he does keep very active on the website and he does update quite often. Um, I, I, for selfish reasons, I'm, I'm really disappointed this had to happen because we had been talking and, uh, David wanted to come on the force cast in March and, uh, right. talk about his, uh, the convention appearances he was scheduled to make and everything. He was certainly looking forward to getting out there and seeing the fans again. And, um, hopefully he'll be fully healed in time for fan days four and we can have him on the force cast and, Ask him all the questions that we always have for the original Darth Vader. So we love him. Dave Prowse, great guy. One of my fondest convention memories, Star Wars Celebration to Japan, 2008. The day before the show opens, me and Curto and Dave Myatt are helping set up the official picks booth. Huge area of the convention center that official picks had um, for the uh, – actors and the lines and everything and our offices were there so we're setting all that up and dave prowse showed up of course you know we all gathered around him um darth vader in the house and uh he had he was picking up some boxes of photos to pre-sign and he didn't it was our area of the convention center was so far away from the hotel it was just it was a, a long haul I mean, you know, I am, I'm luckily fully healthy and have strong legs and everything. And it was even a challenge for me to keep making that walk back and forth to the hotel. I wasn't complaining. We were out there for Star Wars and having the time of our lives. So, uh, but Dave was, he just, he, he tried doing it and it was just too much for him. So he sat down in a wheelchair and me and Curto and Myatt pushed him back to his hotel room, carried some boxes for him and everything. And we had a nice chat as we walked the length of this ginormous convention center, the Mahuraha Mehi, or I got, I forget the name of the book, the Makuraha Mese. Oh man, it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, but we, we talked to him and just chatted him up and he was so friendly and, you know, telling stories and stuff. And that was the day that Darth Vader officially dubbed us his escorts. Curdo, myself, and Dave Maya. <laughs> he 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 gave he christened us. Yeah. We knew Vader's fist was a name that had already been taken, so he christened us Vader's ass. <laughs> Vader. Hi, this is Dave Prowse. I was Darth Vader in Star Wars, and you're listening to the Force Cast. All right, Jimmy alluded to it earlier. 3D holograms coming to a smartphone near you. Now, imagine this, Jim. Imagine a smartphone that could project Star Wars-style 3D holographic images. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, so I call you, you know? I call you on the way home. We got, we got some show prep to do. And instead of just hearing my voice, a little blue Jason is sitting on top. Oh, 
is sitting on top of your iPhone. Of course, it would have to be that kind of hazy blue uh, thing. I mean, I, I, even if the technology was superior to that, I would want to be able to like tune it to make it look like that. But uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, new technology showcased by Master Image 3D at the Mobile World Congress. Check this out. Um, this is a Hollywood-based company. They're developing a projection system that would allow your smartphone to display a 3D hologram. And what it does is, um, according to, uh, who is this guy? What's his name? Taylor. Taylor. Roy Taylor. Roy Taylor, he's the vice president, general manager uh, of 3D display at Master Image. He says, if you take the screen, you know, imagine your, your cell phone, and you lay it flat, it projects the holographic object around the device, and you can interact with it. How cool would that be? Imagine. And this is, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, 25, 30 years into the future, 50 years into the future. We're talking about in the next year or so, this could happen. He says the new interface has applications in gaming and business. Quote, software companies are already working on productivity enhancements with touch. This will be the evolution of how we interface with consumer electronics devices. So beyond touch, I mean, this is, I mean, it's touch, but it's touching something, you know, it's touching a hologram. You think you could, like, hit me in the stomach like the little Pillsbury Doughboy? <laughs> pink, just like, you know, snap my fingers. Pink, right, <laughs> right in the stomach. <laughs> but uh, so cool, so cool. It seems like every week there's another story about Star Wars technology. You know what I love about this? I got to say, and I am, I am a Star Trek fan. Those longtime listeners know that I am. But for the, forever, Trek was the only franchise that got the love when it came to how it influences technology. You know what I mean? Trek was the one, well, you know, oh, we have cell phones because of Star Trek. We have, you know, uh, certain things in hospitals because of Dr. McCoy on Star Trek. But Star Wars never got the love. And finally, with this, all this attention to 3D and holographic and holograms, you've, you've got Star Wars finally getting the credit it's due because these guys are all out there citing Star Wars. I mean, they're all, they all grew up with Star Wars, and they, they want to make Star Wars now. They want to make Star Wars possible, and so that's why they're developing all of this stuff. So uh, anyway, very, very cool. I was disappointed that there was no video of this. I was looking everywhere for video. I have not been able to find any video. Um, but this is technology, like I said, being worked on by Master Image 3D out of Hollywood, California. And I, for one, am looking forward to it. Be very, very cool. Now, we had a story uh, a couple weeks ago about the idea of twin suns in our own galaxy that we'd be able to see on our own planet. Remember Beetlejuice, Jim? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. (laughs) Dale! The the star that uh, was supposed to go supernova or something like that, and uh, which would cause us to have two suns in the sky. Um... Well, apparently, that's not totally true. No. Uh, (laughs) Imagine this. Imagine news organizations. This is the headline. News media misinterprets Star Wars-esque scenario. Say it ain't so. (laughs) Are you telling me that they interjected Star Wars into a headline just to get a bunch of links? A bunch of link love? (laughs) I don't believe it. Well, that's what they're saying. Uh, Brad Carter, the, ph- the physics senior lecturer at the University of Southern Queensland in Australia, says he was misinterpreted in all of the articles about the potential twin suns here on Earth. Of course, all the news outlets reported that 
on our own planet here, we could see two suns for a period of two weeks in 2012 because of the explosion of Betelgeuse, 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 the second largest star in the Orion constellation. He says, well, it's not exactly true. Uh, Manfred Kruntz, astronomy director and associate physics professor, says that... um, the story has its some basis, in fact, but the fact is nobody knows when this is going to happen, and it may not be as long as two weeks. It could be very, very quick. So, you know, blink and you miss it. Um, he says you've got to keep in mind a few weeks is a long time for human beings, but in the astronomy concept, it's instantaneous. Um, he said the, the explosions could be as bright as a full moon and Earth could see two moons for a week or two, but eventually the star would soon begin to decay in brightness and the supernova could be viewed for only a couple of months, but not as easily. So, you know, big bang, a couple of weeks mm. later, you know, it's over. But for Great. a while, I'm screwed. For I'm a while. screwed. Why? I am so screwed because I bought cases and cases of SPF 1000. <laughs> I built a moisture evaporator in the backyard, and I have this Gila monster that I've been fattening up to grow him into a dewback. Now what am I supposed to do? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, where I'd like to be when this thing goes supernova, the deserts of Tunisia. Now that would be cool. That would be a cool photo op. Yeah. It's a little Photoshop, and I got it. If I want it bad enough, you know? You don't need science. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, our last story for you this week, we talked about it a couple weeks ago because all of a sudden, Oprah's looking for the ultimate Princess Leia collector out of nowhere, it seemed like. And we started speculating. What could this be? What could this be? Could Carrie Fisher be making an appearance? Could it be? Jim, I think you and I thought it's probably just going to be about, you know, crazy nerds, right? One of those sensational exposés about, you know, uh, crazy collectors and all of that. But it turns out it actually was an appearance by Carrie Fisher on Oprah with her mother, the legendary Debbie Reynolds. Yes. Who's looking fabulous. You've been watching too much. You've been watching too much Glee, Jim. (laughs) Enough (laughs) enough of the Glee. (laughs) But uh, Debbie Reynolds, she's really cool. Um First segments featured specifically on Carrie, and as we've reported here on the Forcecast, Carrie has become the new spokesperson for Jenny Craig. So Oprah wanted to know all about that. How'd that go down, girlfriend? At the time that I was sort of a um, the Star Wars pinup, yeah. the geek pinup, I thought I was fat then. So now finally it all caught up with me. Now I'm you thought finally you were right. fat then as Princess Leia? My self-image is just whacked from uh-huh. that, from having the movie star mom. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, uh, I, Jenny Craig just seemed like the best. Yeah, and I heard you, you're, 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 you're sick of the scale thing. I'm sick of it? Terrified of scales. Really? You know, I don't want... It, anybody go to the doctor and they want you to stand on the oh, scale? Oh, for goodness sake. I don't want to. Yes. So I face the nurse... Away from the scale, and she can write the damn thing down. I don't care. I don't want to. I didn't look, and that was really bad. All right. So she has an aversion to scale. So if we see her again, Jim, we won't bring up scales. Oh, God, no. 
But uh, she did reveal that she has lost 17 pounds on Jenny Craig. So How did she look? Congrats. I haven't seen it. Was she look? Yeah. Was she looking pretty she, good? She's looking better. She's yeah. looking better. She's looking better. And so now they bring out Debbie Reynolds. And there's some very interesting stories about growing up in Hollywood and everything and being the daughter of showbiz royalty and uh, a lot of funny stuff. But then they bring out the Princess Leia collectibles. And what <laughs> this basically was, the, the purpose of this was to lead into Debbie Reynolds, who I didn't know she was, she's a huge collector of authentic Hollywood props, wardrobe, and costumes. Hmm. And she had some amazing stuff, and she'd been collecting this for years and years. But first, they wanted to talk about Princess Leia collectibles. And so Oprah had a table full of Princess Leia collectibles, and she even had the Princess Leia bend them. <laughs> I gave I, there was a singular fist pump in the air as that thing appeared on the screen. <laughs> You're going to highlight if, the best of Princess Leia memorabilia, and you got the Bendham there? <laughs> That's right. The Bendham is in the house. <laughs> and, of course, Carrie was, um, you know, her, her typical, uh, her, her scathing humor was on display at this moment when confronting all these pieces of memorabilia with her likeness. Carrie will forever be known as Princess Leia. Just look at some of what her image has been put on. Shampoo, cookie jar, doll. It has to be so... Bend them. It has to be so surreal. Isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, now my fantasy is to uh, drop acid and get locked in a closet of all this stuff. <laughs> and that'll be how I go. Oh, no, but I mean, this is the best one. This is the shampoo where you can twist off my head and pour liquid out of my neck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Freud would have had a ball with this. And you did this when you were 17? 19. 19. Oprah needs to check her facts. Not 17, 19. Yeah, still so young. So young. I just, it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. You know, that that of course was funny. And then they showed off uh, the incredible showbiz collection of Debbie Reynolds. Then the big moment happens. The finale of the show featuring Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds on stage with a piano, and they actually sing a duet for the first time ever. Mother and daughter on Oprah's stage, Carrie Fisher singing. And I have a little excerpt of their duet right here. I thought about it for 30 years. I stopped singing for 30. I finally decided to sing. No, when you did uh... Happy Days. Are here again. The skies above are clear again. So let's sing a song of cheer again. Happy days are here again. Oh, nice wow. moment. Nice moment. Not a dry eye in the house. Was Oprah crying? Uh, I, I hope she was. I hope she was. <laughs> Um, I didn't get to see Oprah's reaction, and there's a reason for that, and that will be uh, featured in our fourth clip. I do have one more clip from Carrie's amazing appearance on Oprah, but um, I can't feature it as part of the news headline segment. There's only one segment of the Force cast where this clip can properly be showcased.
It's unthinkable. Yes, uh, that's right. Our final, <laughs> I'm almost our afraid. <laughs> and uh, and so we have to feature this final audio highlight as the outrageous, unthinkable story of the week. And oddly enough, it has nothing to do with Carrie's behavior or anything she says. Really? Which yeah, which so often does place <laughs> her material into the outrageous, unthinkable story of the week segment. But this week, it's not the case at all. As a matter of fact, it was a circumstance totally beyond her control. As we heard in our last clip, the warm and fuzzy moment featuring Carrie and Debbie Reynolds on stage singing Happy Days Are Here Again. I was feeling the spirit. I was feeling the happy day. <laughs> and, and I was so into it. And I start, my mind starts racing. I'm like, I have to feature this song on an upcoming galaxy of music. Maybe we can even do another edition of Star Wars Golden Throats with this as the showpiece. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So I'm watching the song. And something outrageous and unthinkable happens. Mind you, I was watching this on the DVR, but it doesn't lessen the shock. And, I mean, I was just appalled at what transpired. So let's pick it up. Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds singing their first ever duet publicly on the Oprah show when an outrageous, unthinkable moment occurred. So let's... Tell the world about it now Happy times Happy nights Happy This is an ABC News special report Good morning and hope it's a wonderful one for you. What? I'm Sawyer at ABC News headquarters with George Stephanopoulos. Hello, George. We are here because the president is going to have a press conference, his first since before Christmas. I believe it is now what his 12th oh, since taking office. You've got to be. What on earth could be <laughs> more important than the reuniting of, of uh, Debbie Reynolds, a Hollywood legend and a Star Wars legend like Carrie Fisher, reuniting them in song on Oprah? I think when they cut to Obama, he should be like watching the Oprah Winfrey show and looking around and like, oh, oh, no, my fellow Americans. What are you doing <laughs> today on this day at this moment? <laughs> Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds are singing it together for the first time ever on this day at this moment at this time at this day of the week. At this hour of this day of this year at this time. Yes, they can. Over, damn it. <laughs> but so listen, I mean, even Diane Sawyer said it was his 12th press conference since he's taken office. He's only been in the office for nine and two and a half years. So you're going to interrupt this incredible historic showbiz <laughs> moment to hear Obama say what? What did he say? What was it about? Was it about Mubarak or what? What would it have been? I threw the remote at the TV and I broke it <laughs> because that's how outrageous and unthinkable it was. All right. There's got so, oh, is does the does the pure recording exist somewhere? I mean, does Oprah put her show? Yeah, I, mean, there, I don't think Oprah's on Hulu or any of the uh, any of the sites. Maybe on Oprah dot com. There's the, the I don't know. It's got to be out there. It's got to be out there. I uh, I have not had time to uh, 
search your typical spaces like YouTube or anything like that. And of course, this did not happen in all markets. It was up to the affiliate to choose whether or not to take the special report from ABC. Um, so it might have varied depending on where you were at. And also, you have to remember, too, that Oprah runs at different times of of the day. And oh, that's true. That's stu- right. So she it's does. not like it happened across the board. But it just so happened that the ABC affiliate in Chicago right. decided to take the network feed from ABC News, thus destroying <laughs> the warm and fuzzy Princess Leia moment. Damn you! <laughs> Damn you all to hell! I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this is not this is certainly not the last you'll hear of the Carrie Fisher Debbie Reynolds duet. I'm 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 guessing if if there's a way, Jimmy Mack will find a way. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message after the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. <laughs> All right, not long ago we were talking about the re-release of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire as it celebrates its, what, 20th anniversary? 20 year. Jeez. 20 year Heir to the Empire. 20th anniversary. And I had mentioned, I said, I hope we get an unabridged version of this, uh, of Heir of to the Empire, the unabridged audiobook. Because up till now, the only ones that we had was the uh, the abridged version and narrated by Dennis Lawson. And we got an email from, uh, let's see, we don't have the name on here. No name. Come on, sign these oh, no. guys. We'll, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll find that name. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Faithful Forecast listener writes, Dear Jason and Jimmy Mack, guys on the Forecast for the week of February 4th, you said that there was only the Dennis Lawson abridged audiobook version of Heir to the Empire. While mostly right, there was also the unabridged nine-tape audiobook version from the Books for the Blind series narrated by Chuck Benson. No sound effects or music, as you would find with most of the current audiobook releases, but it is unabridged if you want a full retelling of the story. There's also an unabridged version for Dark Horse Rising and The Last Command. Copies of it can be found here, and he gives the uh, the URL. He says, just thought that might be a bit of a help for those who really want a full version to listen to until someone takes you up on your suggestion for a new recording. And we actually have a clip of this. Now, those of you that are listed, you know, familiar with Audible.com and a lot of the great audio books uh, that they provide and what um, you know the publisher puts out, like uh, like the, the, we said, you know, there's lots of uh, music and there's sound effects and all of that. This is a very stripped down thing. This is basically just you know uh, Chuck Benson reading "Heir to the Empire." This is the full unabridged version. This book contains up to four sides per cassette. Side one, "Heir to the Empire." by Timothy Zahn. Text copyright 1991 by Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Narrated by Chuck Benson. This book contains 361 pages on nine sides. If you would like to skip over any remaining announcements or introductory well, material... I'd like to skip over this part, quite honestly. <laughs> ...forward until a beep is heard. Stop at that point to hear the beginning of the book. Annotation. It has been five years since the defeat of Darth Vader and the destruction of Death Star. Han Solo and Princess Leia, married and expecting twins, are handling many of the responsibilities of the newly established Republic. 
a warlord has taken over the remains of the Imperial fleet, and Luke Skywalker, the first in a new line of Jedi Knights, hears a voice from his past warning him to beware of the dark side. Bestseller, 1991. From the book jacket. Here is the science fiction <laughs> really publishing event it. of the year. The exciting continuation of the legendary Star Wars saga. There it is. Picking up where the movie trilogy left off, Heir to the Empire reveals the tumultuous events that take place after the most popular series in motion picture history. Masterfully told by Hugo Award-winning author Timothy Zahn. Jim, when you hear that, doesn't it take you back to that simpler time? You know what I mean? Where it just, it was all fresh. It was, it was open. It was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Jason, I think you're trying to say that it was fresh and open. It was a more innocent time. Hey, that was from uh, that email too. And uh, the audio is from Faithful Forecast listener Denny's. And uh, Jason, I just stumbled across something here on Amazon.com. They're taking pre-orders for Star Wars Heir to the Empire, the 20th anniversary edition audiobook. The title will be released on June 21st, 2011. So they are taking pre-orders for an audiobook unabridged. All right. Who's the narrator? Do we have any credits there on the narrator? I have no information at all. Mm. I just sort of stumbled upon it as we're doing the show right now. So I haven't had time to make any inquiries, but it says it's going to be released on June 21st, 2011, unabridged audiobook. Wow. So perhaps it's getting the uh, the treatment that we're used to hearing on places like audible.com and everything where you're going to get full on narration with uh, possible character voices well, you know done what? by the reader. I got I got to I got to be honest, you know, when I was listening to this and uh, the clip that we got from uh, Denny's uh, was was quite a, quite a bit li- uh, longer than what we we played for you and I kind of got into it. I mean, I th- I think it's wonderful that you have the the, the big robust productions, but uh, there's something to be said too for just you know straight up somebody narrating it to you. Somebody, it, it, you know, there's it doesn't get in the way of itself. You know what I mean? And so uh, I think they're I think they're worth checking out. If you can't wait till June for the for the 20th anniversary edition, you might want to check these out. These are available for the blind, and thank goodness they are. But um, also might be of interest to some Star Wars fans out there. Thanks so much, Denny's, for uh, sending it in. It's very cool. And uh, also of interest to Star Wars fans, um, got an email here from Mason, who's listening live. And he said that the Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds duet from Oprah is on YouTube right now as we speak. So you can relive right. that magical showbiz moment in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mason. I appreciate you passing that along, and uh, and we're and, about uh, we're about due for a Galaxy of Music Winter 2011 edition. Could happen. Could happen. Could happen. I you know I've been considering the idea of doing Volume Two of Star Wars Golden Throats, oh. which was a series that a sub series I should say that debuted about three years ago, featuring Star Wars celebrities. And their musical sides. And so maybe I might make that a featured focus of an upcoming Galaxy of Music. By the way, the next edition of Galaxy of Music, uh, late winter, early spring, should be hitting your iPods here in the next few weeks. And um, something that's hitting your computers right now, I just got word, is there's a new clip of Chewbacca from the Clone Wars Season 3 finale 
The clip features Chewbacca getting angry at some Trandoshans. Ooh. And that video can be seen at dun, 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 dun. I am stalling till I find out the source. <laughs> well, the first clip we were talking about earlier in the program, that was an exclusive uh, given to the New York Times, you know, because they need the help. But there is a new clip. New clip uh, with Trandoshans. Chewie showing a little bit of his Wookiee brute. <laughs> and smashing the heads of some of Bosk's best pals, and uh, mm. as we know, you know, there's, you know, that's a, a tie-in with the EU. Is that Trandoshans and Wookies are like oil and water; they are natural enemies of one another. And interesting, maybe I didn't know that. I don't know. I've not I seen this that. clip yet. No, this is actually. I'm sorry, I found the source. It's a Cartoon Network teaser. So it's available on YouTube right now. Just look for Clone Wars Chewbacca Returns. Shoot, let's just hear the audio, okay? Yeah, play it for us. Get ready for the return of a legend. A hairy, hairy legend. Yep, pretty awesome. Don't miss Chewbacca in the season finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Friday, April 1st at 8, 7 central on Cartoon Network. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he is kicking some Trandoshan butt there. And it's yet to be known if this episode will actually feature Chewie pulling someone's arms out of his sockets. That's what I was kind of hoping to see on that very clip. But uh, a cool clip. You can see it now on YouTube. Probably can see it on StarWars.com and CartoonNetwork.com as well. All right, Matt from Philly, uh, speaking of the Clone Wars, Jim, he's got a question for you. He says he was listening to the Clone Wars Roundtable. And he says, I don't know if I was just hearing things, but while Anakin was forcing the brother and sister to their knees, um, he says, I thought I heard Darth Vader exhale. Sorry to bother you if I'm wrong, but could you confirm this? Thanks, Matt from Philly. So in the episode Overlords, Anakin, on your knees. Yes. Do you hear it? Tr- is it there? Truly a dramatic moment, and uh, obviously this email sparked my curiosity, and we, we re- did receive several others similar to this, telling us to check out that sequence. And at the very end, when Anakin does tame the son and daughter, you know, as he stands in the center of that yin-yang arena and says, on your knees, at the end of that, when they're subdued finally, you hear it's so faint in the background of the mix. And we're going to play the audio right now, so I hope you can hear it. Wait for about 10 seconds from the beginning of this clip. You'll hear Anakin say, on your knees, and then you'll hear at the very end. Oh, it's way in the background. You'll hear the Darth Vader breath. On your knees! There was. Did you oh, hear it yeah. at the very end? Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that the first time. Very subtle, but it is in there in the that. mix. That was a little yeah. audio Easter egg in the episode Overlords. Very you, cool. You know, listen very closely. You have to really listen very closely. So let's give them one more chance. If you missed it the first time we played the clip, listen at the very end. You'll hear the, the, the exhale especially is accented very nicely in this mix. Your 
Well, that's going to do it for us. Another action-packed thrill ride with a force cast. Good times indeed. Thank you so much. You know, we couldn't do this show without you guys. You guys sending us clips, making Jimmy's life a little too easy. I mean, mailing him, emailing him the actual clip. I mean, come on. Hey, you stop right there. You do not say anything about the type of week I've had being easy. I had to endure watching Glee and Oprah, and I had to listen to Justin Bieber. And I did it all for the sake of Star Wars and all for the Force cast and our loyal listeners. So please do not diminish my efforts here because it's been very difficult for me this week. Oh, my gosh. No, no, never, never, never would I do that. Of course, Jimmy's efforts here on the Forcecast heard each and every week, and we appreciate him and uh, all those efforts so much. Uh, we also appreciate Jeff Yorks joining us. Jeff Yorks working uh, right now as the editor of the Drew Struzan, the man behind the poster documentary and you can follow the production of that at drewthemovie.com and uh it's so cool when you have a real fan and you can tell jim i mean just talking to jeff for a few minutes i mean or getting his emails he worships drew struzan i mean he's a huge huge fan and just such a thrill when you get to see fans meet their idols and there's no disappointment, and they get to work and collaborate together. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, and it's really cool to hear someone who's so passionate about the man and his artwork actually working on the documentary. So you know that there's a little bit of a TLC going on there. Definitely, definitely. Also, big thanks to Eric Walker for uh, jumping back on the Forcecast and uh, giving away a copy of his CD, Tangier Dream. Congratulations to our winner who picked out, yes, that is Winnie the Pooh in the Ewok Adventure, (laughs) Matthew Saloff. So, Matthew, you can be expecting your autographed copy of Eric's CD shortly. And thanks so much for listening to the Forcecast. Wanted to remind you guys, we get emails from time to time about show notes and links to stories. And... um, it's not, it's not something you're going to find at the Forcecast website, where you are going to find that stuff. And it's really the work of one guy out there, Eric Geller, working fast and furiously on the Forcecast wiki. That's at forcecast.wikia.com. And um, I'm just really impressed. He's been cataloging. Of course, there's almost five years' worth of episodes to, of backlog. But he's been cataloging the, cataloging the episodes pretty consistently throughout the fall and winter of this year. And uh, he's got great links to the stories we talk about, summaries of the contests we run, all that stuff. So please help Eric out. Sign up for an account on, uh, if you're a regular listener of this show, a Wikia account, and uh, help Eric organize and catalog all the information coming out of this program. It's a great resource for listeners who go, yeah, you know, the Forcecast guys were talking about this, and where do I go? So uh, please do that. We'll have link on our, uh, of course, link at forcecast.net. Or you can just email Eric, uh, eric at theforce.net, and he can uh, help you out and get you started there. So, great way to contribute to the Forcecast. Speaking of contributing to the Forcecast, last week we spoke about our new um, initiative here. Again, based on the emails that we receive, there's a lot of folks that have offered over the years to contribute monetarily 
to the show. And uh, we don't want to charge for our show, but we're certainly at a point now where we have so many things we want to do and we want to grow and expand and continue to bring you the kind of Star Wars news and commentary that you deserve and truly leave no fan left behind in order to do that. Guess what, guys? It costs money. So if you'd like to contribute, we really would appreciate it. We have new contributors this week. want to congratulate and thank Michael Drum, Brian Klein, Michael De La Garza, Kevin Heath, Matthew Peterson, Sheldon Norton, and Richard Woloski. We really, really appreciate those contributions. You can contribute $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or make a one-time contribution. Just go to forecast.net slash contribute dot A-S-P. Other ways you can contribute, you can email forcecast at forcecast.net. You can leave us a voicemail, 330-754-05FC. Don't forget about our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash forcecast, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash forcecast. Preview what's coming up on Forcecast Live. Picks to Jimmy Star Wars Room. You know what? That's not even the half of it. There's so much great conversation and stories being posted up there all the time and people making comments. It's, it's just a really, really fun and active community of folks. And uh, I love going to our Facebook page. Yeah, I, great Clone Wars conversation going on lately. Really good Clone Wars conversation happening at the official Forcecast Facebook page. So get in on the party, check it out, and uh, feel free to uh, join the fun iTunes, a great way to subscribe and review all of the podcasts coming out of the Forcecast. Check us out there on iTunes. And as I mentioned, our official website, our home, your source for all things and everything Forcecast, Forcecast.net. Check out our blog, photos. All the shows are there. The roundtables, exclusive interviews with people like Mark Hamill, George Lucas, lots of interviews we've had with Dave Prouse who we were talking about earlier including Jimmy's interview with him at Celebration Japan our sit down with him at Fan Days 3 what a hoot that was check that one out also in the archives we are talking about the Galaxy of Music shows all of those are available on our website and the editorials project a new one just went up really nice analysis of what makes the Clone Wars great check that out all at forcecast.net Don't forget about the smartphone apps available for iPhone and Android devices. That's just search for Forcecast in the iTunes app store or in the Android marketplace and you'll find it. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. No, no, we won't. We're taking a week off. Next week is a week off. Thanks to the programming schedule of Cartoon Network and the Clone Wars. We are taking uh, next week off, but that does not mean there will not be Star Wars entertainment coming from the Forcecast Podcast Network. Uh, We might be seeing another report from our intrepid duo of Dan Curno and James Burns from Toy Fair and hear all the exclusive information they got out of that show. We might be hearing from Jedi Journals, Jovial J and Chris Wyman, as they talk about the latest and greatest in Star Wars publishing. And maybe we might even see that late winter, early spring galaxy of music. So I would be sure to keep checking back with iTunes, with uh, Forcecast.net or wherever you get podcasts and just keep it turned on the Forcecast and you won't miss a thing. Right. Especially that app. That app is uh, probably the best and most convenient way if you have a smartphone to make sure that you're getting all of the episodes. We think we got all the, the bugs and the kinks out of it as we made our transition to add everything, including 
add to the list is great indie cast to the lineup. So if you're a fan of all the podcasts coming out of the Forcecast Network, the app is the way to go. That's it. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, guys. We love you so much. Thanks for your support. We're out of here for the Forcecast. I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. Remember, the Force will be with you always. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names and sounds of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Force.net LLC unless otherwise indicated. You've done time and they have a bad way of looking at you.